Welcome back to another episode of the DJ Sessions Presents the Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now we're in the studio in Seattle, Washington, coming in all the way from Lisbon, Portugal. We have Molinex on in his studio. How are you doing today? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. It, it's uh, 5 p.m. over there. It's 9 a.m. over here on PST time. You know, how, how, is, how are things going over there? Uh, you having a good time over in, in Portugal? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I spent uh, the past few months uh, building a new studio, which is finally operational. So the early days, lots of stuff to do, but we can still get, uh, can already get work done. So yeah, new times, new exciting times. I, I like the walls, the color of the walls, close to one of my favorite colors. You can see it right here on our logo, purple. It may, it may, it may not look purple, but it looks purple on camera, but I love, I love the shading. And you were giving me a little bit of a tour of your studio there. Congratulations on setting all of that up. I know what it's like making, I think we're on our sixth reiteration of building our studios, virtual studios, live streaming studios over the years. So, oh, right. So it's, you're always tweaking something. Exactly. Well, I think it always comes down to cable management as you add new things. Like, where is this piece going to go? How am I going to fit this in? Do I have enough power strips? What's going on here? And uh, a, a lot of a lot of people would see a couple pieces of equipment on the table, but underneath the table was the cable management, which is I don't use a lot of zip ties, so <laughs> it was bad. Uh, well, I'm I'm kind of uh, bipolar in that respect because uh, I I either obsess or with organization over a period and then completely let it roam free, and then suddenly I, I say no, I can't work, I can't get, get anything done, so I need to reorganize everything. <laughs> so I, I know I know that feeling. Yeah. Well, you're not only a, a producer, you're a DJ, and you have a band. Can you tell us a, a little bit of the, about the band? Yeah, so um, I don't know. I, I, when I started making dance music, I came from a, from a, from an, a different uh, school. Maybe all my friends were in bands, and I didn't, didn't really know in my, my hometown any mu music producers, electronic music, music producers. So for me, the live experience was all about uh, sharing the stage with other people. So I always see my music as something I work alone on, but at a certain point I will involve other people to come in and give their inputs and then take it on stage and rework the songs into a, into a collective. I really like that. But of course, my experience as a, as a DJ uh, I also love it. So, so I, I actually, it informs my live music a lot when we play live because I like to to do a little bit of mixing all the band while we're playing. So, as like with filters and EQ, as a DJ would. So, so I like that. Do you incorporate you? So you incorporate hardware into your DJ sets, or is it you just do strictly DJing or strictly just hardware? instrument type sets so for djing I, I i stick to the basics so cdjs and and sometimes uh, techniques uh, record players but mostly the the basic setup and because my life setup is so complicated <laughs> with the three people playing keys and singing and and uh, drum pads and also a, an acoustic drummer plus the, uh, an audiovisual setup and lighting. So all the technical stuff is with a live show because I want the DJ set to be about the flow and the selection more than the technical shops. I, 
I'm I'm not insecure, so I don't need <laughs> I don't need to show off when DJing. I just I I'm just concentrated on the the flow of the party. To be honest, understandable. Now, uh, tell me a little bit. I saw this on your Instagram. What is Disco Texas? <laughs> Disco Texas started as a, a little uh, collective here in Lisbon. We we started doing uh, monthly parties at a, a very small club in uh, in downtown Lisbon. And suddenly we got invited to one of the to do the Thursday Thursday nights at one of the biggest clubs uh, in the country and in Europe. Looks, uh, it's a reference for many people because of the sound system and the whole vibe of the, of the club has been very forward thinking for uh, for fifteen or twenty years now. And once that happened, it was like, whoa, people are taking us seriously. We're, we, we didn't expect that. So why not make it a label as well and put out our, our, our own music? I think a lot, a lot of it came from naivete, you know, thinking that we can do anything. And of course, you encounter the problems along the process, but that's also fun. I think all of us came from a little bit of a punk and DIY background so we're we're used to not relying on anyone else to do the things for us uh, we're pretty much hands-on so why not do a label and that's how it is it's been more than 10 years and we have an, a very big international roster and our audience is spread around the globe and and uh, it's it's a nice it's a nice family of artists i don't really see it as a business because you know Dance music label. There's other. There's better business decisions than doing than running a dance music label in 2021. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny you bring that up because we're actually in talks with doing some artist development with our our DJ roster and, and putting that together and starting to get them um, bookings on tours and and all that stuff and creating the DJ session brand. So it's interesting when you talk about that that leap and it's something I never thought I would get into, but definitely want to push our family and again it doesn't feel like business it, it feels like family when you're working yeah, so closely with decisions you make uh, passionate decisions exactly right so exactly and now now you just released uh, an album recently requiem for empathy was that under disco texas or was that under another label it was it was uh, i've done all my records in disco texas except for the first one which i did it with gamma records in back when i was living in munich in germany um, and tell us a little bit about Requiem for Empathy. What, what was the inspiration behind that? Um, you know, what, what Requiem for Empathy? I, I just love that title. And I'd just like to know a little bit more and let our DJ Sessions fans know a little bit more about that creation. Yeah, well, it, it all started in 2019, teens still, because of, um, of a, a period of uh, personal losses and a little bit of. Uh, difficult situations I was going through and my music has always been very expensive and very happy and cheerful and uh, all the music I was making was in response to what I was going through uh, and of course there was a little bit I wasn't I wouldn't say sadness but a little bit of melancholia and aggression and violence in uh, in contrast with sweetness which was this contrast was was alien to me, and I, I wasn't really sure whether I should include it as Mullinex or not. But I've never I've never really deal, dealt well with uh, aliases <laughs> or aliases over the years. 
so I thought, does this represent me? Is this honest? Uh, yeah, so it's going to be under the Mullinex uh, alias. Um, of course, this is a, a, I, I see this record as therapy. And, and uh, uh, the, I always try to find the big idea behind the, 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 the themes, um, because of course, it's dance music. It's it is functional, but I I always like to think about the big ideas behind behind what I'm doing. And maybe the common theme was empathy. Uh, the idea that uh, empathy is a, a bit um, frowned upon. <laughs> the more you no, know, over the years I see it not as a, a quality. People don't don't really value it as a big quality between uh, human beings and. I think lots of uh, underlying issues in society could be solved with an injection of empathy. Um, you know, like walk a mile in someone's shoes, uh, uh, see the world from my eyes. All of these metaphors that we use in conversation are about empathy. Uh, so I decided to, to dedicate the record uh, to it. And then when I was done with it, uh, February 2020, we hear about the worldwide pandemic and I thought maybe uh, it's, it sounds like a self-fulfilling prophecy so I'll not release it just yet. <laughs> uh, so that's it's been in the drawer for for almost a year uh, and then I decided to not wait any longer and, and release it in April this year. Awesome and, and following up with that and, and just recently you also released remixes for Empathy as well and yeah. um so after you held on to this for a little bit of time, felt it was time to release it, you come right back out with the follow-up with the remixes for Empathy. Was that planned or was that something that you had in the, in, the, in the back of your pocket saying, I know I'm gonna do Requiem, I know it's gonna come out, but then I'm gonna do a remix on it? Or was that like, no, nah, this is so good, I need to do some remixes on this? I mean, I always like to have, a, have other people take my music and you know do it, whatever they want went with it it's also an exercise in empathy because you know like you need to be not too attached to your material to you know give your parts to someone else to work on uh so we had a lot of time with the label the record was done in february what can it can we do so let's release single by single and we invite people that uh, we admire to remix which was the case of all the remixers that were in uh, in these, um, so each single had a remix. Started with the UK producer Seb Wild Blood, and then uh, then it was uh, Poolside from LA, uh, Damien Lazarus and Patrice Baumel, and also uh, I'm, am I forgetting anyone? Quantic also from New York. Uh, so it was all people I really admired and that not really doing uh, something similar to what I do, but I would love to see these songs and these themes explored by amazing producers that, that, uh, that are my references. And that was the case, people had time, we had time. So it was all a perfect storm, to be honest. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Um, something else uh, in doing some research on you, I, was, I came across a music video. And within the first, I'd say, I, I watched the trailer for it on your Twitter. And within 15 seconds, I automatically clicked and was watching the YouTube. And I was just really taken by, you know, being a person that's been going to nightclubs for 30 years of my life, over half my life, almost three quarters of my life has been spent in the nightlife 
industry and you, somebody could call me an old dog or an old soul because i've been to a lot of parties been to just, a lot of don't you see this clubbing experience experience almost as therapy or spiritual as well you know it's exactly <laughs> and so when i was watching the inner child video it really and, and i just see the gathering of the friends getting together they're they're getting in their strollers they're getting in their cars they're rolling they're getting dressed up they're going out they're eating hot dogs you know they're getting ready and they're going to the roller rink which also taps into my childhood because i used to go to the roller rink as a kid before i ever started night clubbing so i mean i'm just there and, and night and some roller rinks used to become dance floors and dance clubs and just the music of the disco and the, the you know that experience just was fun and these three people in the video are just having this great experience like reliving their childhood and you know and i think that that speaks so loudly that you know for you could listen to the different genres over time and they become you know when you listen to the 1950s and the 60s and the 70s and they had the classic radio stations playing music electronic music it, you can have the classics but you could play something that was made 25 years ago play it today i mean you might hear it and say oh i know that synthesizer i know that 808 i know that that sound or where that sample comes from but it could almost be timeless some the younger generation would not know so i could be 70 years old and hear that song and and go it's releasing my inner child and i just think that video really spoke to me thanks um, i'm really glad it did uh, it was it was such a, an emotional thing to do as well because it's it was uh, it kept being postponed during during to security uh, around the pandemic filming with elderly people of course oh, yeah. uh, so so once it finally uh, got edited i cried when i saw it the first time because it did exactly that and yeah i think you're touching on something very beautiful as well about the timelessness of dance music it's it's like uh, I I don't know I, I don't know I could play um, a modern Bergheim techno track right next to a strictly rhythm track from the from the mid '80s and if I cue it right no one will tell the difference age difference between it's 30 or 50 or 40 years in some cases and man it's the same drum machines it's the same uh, basic idea like get people moving celebrate this. Uh, the social thing of being together under the same beat this is magic of course of course of course it's it's a very very important thing and after being deprived of it from it uh, for over a year and or more of course we all feel it in our bones <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely um now if you had to pick one of your productions as your most favorite one which one would that be and why and, and what would be the thoughts behind it for it to be your favorite um i mean usually my favorites are the ones that took uh, longer because they are usually associated to overcoming some difficulty or some uh, goal or something like that so in my last record i would pick i would pick uh, it's not my favorite track on the record that's hard for me but as a production as a, uh, an exercise it was Ngoma Nwana, which is with a, a Mozambican singer called the Selma Wamus, because it's just, just such an exercise in minimalism, which to me is the hardest thing to do. I'm always like putting more layers of synths and arrangement and, uh, and effects and whatever. So for me, it was all about doing the most with the least. And this, this 
I think I pulled it off and it was one of the first times I, I was confident with the results. So yeah, I'm going to pick that. <laughs> and and when, when you are producing a track, do you invite, do you do it as a one man show, one producer show, or do you have other people with input that comes in and says, think you're putting too much in there, or maybe you should add this. In. Do you kind of collaborate, co-collaborate on tracks or, or bounce things off of friends and kind of yeah. like listen to what I'm doing or invite them over to the studio for a beer and say, Hey, what's going on? And you know, I do exactly that. <laughs> so I like to start, start and finish things alone, mm-hmm. but the process, for example, with working with singers, I never, I hate the kind of sessions like come and go, drop your vocals and leave. You know, like I give you my top line and you just sing it like I wrote it. I don't like that. I think we, you lose potential. Uh, you know, you, you the song can go in, su- a song or track can go in such an uh, unexpected di- directions that you lose the potential, potential if you just do a touch and go session. And also, you know, w- working in a studio, my studio uh, is shared, the, not the room, but it's several rooms. So we we're always coming and going. We have the, the live band coming in for when we need to do practice, etc. So of course, I I I value um, I value other uh, outside opinion a lot. But it's also easy to get lost in outside opinion because if you keep trying to live your life life pleasing other people, you'll never please anyone. <laughs> uh, so I'm very very precious with the people I show the music to. Only only handful because not because I distrust everyone else, but I think if you balance everyone else's opinion you won't come like if i took a hundred people's a hundred persons a sample of a hundred persons about my music i would i would just do average music you know <laughs> so uh some things i i just you know i i take a few opinions very high in high consideration yeah absolutely fair enough and you know um who has been your biggest influence when it comes to your career as an artist and, and why? Oh, v- many, but uh, if I had to pick someone, uh, okay, I can't pick one person, but I would pick uh, three or four. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, Prince, Daft Punk, uh, Chemical Brothers, and uh, let me think about the fourth one. Uh, maybe Georgia Moroder, yeah. I would go with Georgia Moroder, yeah. Or, that because... would be an awesome show. <laughs> Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, I wonder, of course, but I'm just thinking about each one for each reason. Uh, for example, uh, Prince, because he, he kept pushing the envelope forward all his career. He was a, an amazing composer, instrumentalist, uh, singer, dancer, performer, uh, engineer, everything. He was the full package. Uh, Daft Punk because of, you know, taking bold artistic moves while being punks. Like in in essence, they were very DIY as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Who else did I say? Uh, Giorgio Moroder from his uh, compositions, you know, he revolutionized, ah, sorry. He made a revolution out of, disco into techno because of, of the work he did with Donna Summer and other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe, who else did I say? A Chemical Brothers also for consistency. They, they have had a, an amazing career and their live shows are my favorites, you know, my favorite band to see live. 
And, and why Stevie Wonder? Because ne there's no better songwriter. Songwriter is is just like uh, if I had to, you know, if I, Desert Island albums would be Songs in the Key of Life, uh, Inner Visions, and yeah, that those two would keep me busy. <laughs> awesome. Now I, I read somewhere or on one of your socials that you do some teaching and instruction videos. Is that correct? Sort of like yeah. behind the studio, in the studio. Do you, is that? I do a few, but uh, I don't have, uh, not doing any consistently, though I'm considering it, yeah. Okay. Because um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not really a, a, a master of any particular subject, but I'd really love to learn. And it's my favorite thing to do as a producer is, you know, trying to, to, to learn something new. And uh, yeah, maybe I, I, I should consider doing something uh, more, structured you know on a series yeah have you have you done much in the in the live streaming uh, obviously last year we saw a huge boom of people going to live streaming and 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 doing whether it was producing in the studio and setting up a webcam whether it was doing dj sets or just chatting with friends and jumping online and starting their own shows saying can't do anything here got to do something for my outlet is, is know, are you doing something that or are you going to look forward to doing something on that front we did, we did start a, a, a weekly uh, label uh, stream, DJ stream, but uh, I guessed it on uh, so many friends' uh, uh, streams, like producer, DJ, uh, just chatting. It was fun. But at, at a certain point, I think uh, some of them, the more educational ones, I think, are, are the ones that I keep coming back to because... Uh, you know, you know, getting longer conversations are, are great for live streams. Whereas DJ streams, I mean, I'm I I love DJing so much and I've loved clubbing so much that it feels just a, a watered down version of what it is. <laughs> so I, I will go completely for like longer conversations, podcast, interview. I, I, I like that format. Yeah, it was interesting after doing our show at the time for 11 years to watch the boom happen um because you know for years i was telling people we were a live streaming dj show that did interviews and and all that fun stuff and um when i would go out there and i i would say oh we're a twitch featured partner people would say what's twitch or they'd <laughs> say or the number two question is who would want to watch a dj set live stream on their computer on their phone i'm like did you ever hear this thing called radio back in the day you know what do you think this all started and, and I'm really a fan of radio, especially growing up in a small town. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was, I mean, old, uh, the elderly people say it's company, you know, they, it's literally is for the farmers. It's like uh, company, but to us, it was an amazing source of information, having uh, curated shows like the, 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 the bliss it is to have someone with great taste choose music for you for one hour. That's amazing. <laughs> And also, you know, listen to long conversations, which uh, is my favorite thing about radio. I think it perfectly, perfectly translates into streams and, and uh, YouTube tutorials, for example, is something amazing, yeah. Absolutely. And, and speaking of uh, getting out of the studio, getting out from behind the camera, you have tours or you're going on tour that's coming up. I know the dates are gonna be TBA or TBD, um, but, how exciting is that? I mean, just to know you you have things that are coming up. I, I was reading yeah. a, a Facebook post that you put out there and 
you were listing all the things that you missed. Even that hit, that really hit home to me. We'll be talking a little bit about that in a few moments, but you know, you kind of, I believe you have that empathy that you describe, you know, that you are out there saying, I, I empathize with the world of what's going on. Can't wait back to, to get all these things that we may have took for granted. And so. Yeah, granted that for sure. Yeah. Now, would this be a, would this be, a, are you planning European? Is this, is this a worldwide? Are you coming to the States? Yeah, I mean, uh, my so for the states, I don't have a, a clear plan at the moment because my visa expired, and with a new presidency, yeah, maybe I, I'm willing to renew it. <laughs> so because it was a bit hard for the artist visas, I don't know if uh, your audience in the states knows how how hard it is for an artist to apply for an European uh, an American visa uh, to play as an artist. You have to go through a huge bureaucratic process that is not guaranteed. And, and I've had mine for uh, over 10 years, which got, it's got, needs to be renewed every three years. And right now it expired during the pandemic. So I'm thinking, well, with Joe Biden, I'm, I'm willing to renew it. <laughs> Understandable. So, Understandable. Yeah. Um, because your previous president, uh, among other things, was very hard on uh, you know, anyone trying to enter the, the, the country. OK, so. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so well, uh, I, I do have uh, uh, touring plans which uh, keep being postponed and we just want to announce when it's safe to because uh, I think it's also very uh, anxiety inducing, inducing to see, oh man, my favorite artist is going to play a huge tour and oh no, it's got post got, gotten postponed for another two months. We did do the release shows in June uh, here in Lisbon for a sitting audience with social distancing and masks but uh, because uh, because everybody kept to their seats they were able to dance in their seats and get up and dance and it was uh, an amazing uh, climactic cathartic event uh, felt so good for me and you know the band to be playing for them I, I felt the energy back from the audience and you know we had a lot of time to prepare this show Just, we were sitting on time mostly so we we fine-tuned everything we did the lots of visuals and um, musical transitions that uh, we would it would have wouldn't have time usually uh, unless we toured it, toured it a lot so yeah it's ready and we can't wait to get on the road with that little appetizer we got <laughs> it feels amazing awesome you spoke to something about getting that feedback from the audience that it is important and it's hard to get that translated through a live stream or, you know, if you put a, a live recording out there, you can get online feedback or social feedback, but there's nothing like hearing the roar of the clapter, the yells, the screams, seeing the people dance, reading the floor, knowing how to move. Question for you, at clubs or other dance events, should people look at the DJs like they're rock stars? Or would it be more fun if DJs were slightly more anonymous and, and just part of the bigger event? Of course. I mean, I'm from that second school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see all, all the ego, all the ego stuff to me is filled in the live shows as a collective experience. I'm not also, I'm, I'm a little bit low profile and I prefer lower boots uh, as DJing, I'm, I'm talking about DJing, I prefer boots at almost at crowd level, mm -hmm. low ceiling, uh, not completely lit to give, uh, you know, give some comfort to the, to the people to be free and uh, express themselves in a, 
let themselves uh, free. And to me, the a DJ is just, first, it's, it's not an artist, it's an entertainer, and they, they have a job, they have a function, which is to make the party work and make people dance. And uh, it's just another component of the party. So the, the DJ, the, the vibe, the audience, the room, the sound system, the drinks, the party favor, whatever, you know, it's all an ecosystem where the DJ is just a piece. And of course, it's maybe one of the most important pieces, uh, but it's just another piece and you, you, ego cannot let your, your uh, profession, you know, dictate your, your moves as a DJ. I, of course, my taste goes from, uh, as boundaries, it's, it's wide and I'm eclectic, but I always try to find the middle ground between what I love and what the audience needs or wants, and and of course you talked to, you talked about reading the audience. That's impos impossible in a live stream, so I didn't really see live streams as DJ sessions, but more like a, a filmed radio show. You know, mm -hmm. absolutely no. It was when we first started. It was very hard to get the DJs to translate to the audience and understand what was going on in the chat room. That a lot of them they would just sit there with their headset on and be doing their doing their thing but there was no action from them and if you watch our old shows i would have to be the guy bouncing up and down for four hours dancing just so they can <laughs> read at least somebody and say oh that i'd go that's hot or that's you know and you know it wasn't just that studio element of just watching watching but they could read off me and then as we started to invite people in the studio they'd see the party happening they could control that and people would be rocking out and dancing in the studio and dancing we it, it, it helped to open them up and then let them feel a bit more free. How much like Boiler Room, for example, in the beginning were, were successful because they had, a, they had an audience there and, you know, having movement, it's very hard for us to, to, to look at the static image and, you know, and be compelled to move. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you were asking me about the ideal set. Of course, like people shouldn't really need to face the DJ they it should be like more of a communal experience where everybody's facing each other and the dj is just another of of that another mm -hmm. person there yeah and if you could have an ideal number of people that you would like to play to like like you got the big festivals 10,000 20 50,000 people but you have, it sounds like you're more of a guy with like that more intimate setting of like a 300 or less or 500 or less or what is your target just, number it's just such a different uh, uh, challenge mm -hmm. because uh, when you are playing for a 20,000 cap, for example, it's like you cannot read individually. You cannot see even pockets of people like, oh, those guys are more into this or no, no, it's, there's no, it's just a mess. <laughs> so all your choices are also a little bit watered down. You cannot take so many uh, uh, risks and wild cards. Uh, you need to, st to stick to a to an effective path whereas in a in a more intimate setting it's also more vulnerable like my personality gets more exposed in a personal setting in a 200 300 people uh, capacity venue of course so i actually love both challenges but i see them as ve two very different things at a festival it's like 50 percent 60 80 90 percent of the people never heard of me they're just like going from a stage to the other oh let's check out that guy so that's my window of opportunity with them it's not like i came to see you um so of course 
So of course I take both challenges very differently. Yeah. Understandable. Um, switching up a little bit over here, but still on kind of going around the world touring and stuff. When you visit foreign countries, do you get to take time off to go and explore the culture of those countries or are you just kind of in and out? Is it like in your rider that I get to spend, you know, two or three days here or, or yeah. do you take extra time to spend time there? I always try to to spend extra time. I'm, I've been, uh, I mean, I've, I've been, uh, I've been very serial about doing like four or five shows a week uh, in the past, but not now. I'm not taking. I'm I'm really choosing quality over quantity, and especially because of that. And that's such a beautiful part of our job, uh, which is you know. I have an opportunity to submerge myself in another culture, even having people chaperoning me, you know, like showing me around and you know introducing me to their favorite spots and foods and other people and whatever. It's like hearing about other people's stories, getting to know the reality in that country or region, to me, is the best part of, of, of the job. So I decided to, you know, emphasize on leading, having a happier life, doing a little bit less shows so i have that free time and i i try to stay i mean south america for example asia i always try to go and stay uh, like a full week after or before the shows like on the weekdays uh, i i love touring the states and of course um i i'm always amazed at the the tapestry of different uh, so many different you travel from from a state to the other and it completely changes and within a big city you see, you also see many different cultures and i love that i love that uh so yeah i still have a, a road trip planned uh, i haven't i haven't gotten to do it yet but i will do a coast to coast when i can <laughs> awesome and now i know that you've been missing sitting down on the side street eating food in istanbul or mexico city what is your favorite place you've ever been to eat and that you miss that you want to get back to? If you could go there right now, if Concord jets still existed, you could jump on a plane and fly at supersonic speed and sit down and eat somewhere with some friends. Where would that place be in the world right now? Yeah, definitely Mexico City or uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Istanbul is also great, but I was, uh, if I had to pick one would be Mexico City because of that big city vibe 24 million or more more and uh, there's just some neighborhoods that feel like a small town and you can you know like tropical it's just i miss it a lot of course yeah awesome i'm a bit of a foodie i got my new passport renewed i want to get out and start doing some traveling um definitely want to explore the foods anthony bourdain is one of my heroes um yeah. i'm kind of the person so in, in lisbon uh, which I really recommend. It's usually when these shows are done about the city, they never really represent the culture. And he was one of the few that actually managed to do it. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I try everything at least once. I don't know about the live stuff yet. I don't know how I'm <laughs> going to eat live stuff. Sea urchin. Yeah, I have a problem with effects. Other than that, it's fine. I have nothing against sea urchin, but I tried it. And that's pretty much the only thing that's not on my menu right now. Um, so, yeah but it was, it was supposed to be delicious. It, it probably is to a lot of different palates, but um, no, food is one of my key things. I, I love a lot about food. Um, switching it up a little bit, going over to the technology side of things. Uh, I know that I was reading up that you, you do 
or, or you work with or are impressed with artificial intelligence, AI, and yeah. um, you know, where that could lead. Um, before we jump into AI, you know, have you experienced or are you working with anything in the VR or AR, the virtual reality or augmented reality worlds? Yeah, actually, we, because we are building the, we're building the the new life set uh, visuals. Actually, they're built. They're running on on Unreal Engine, which is a gaming engine uh, which also supports VR and AR. So now that we did all the visuals for the physical shows for the projection projection and screens for the physical shows in uh, in Unreal, we're we're experimenting with doing it VR as well. The same visuals can be readapted to a virtual reality experience, which is very cool. Um, my, my background before making music was software engineering, so I did a lot of research, academic, uh, proper <laughs> academic stuff on AI in, in, uh, in the early 2000s, so I didn't get the time to, 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 to do both things, uh, and I was missing it a lot, and you know, the free time at home got me re reconnected to that part, which got, you know, over the past few years, it's booming and exploding, of course. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm um, I'm looking at using Unity as our as our dev platform to create right. our virtual nightclub experience. But we also do outdoor events in a lot of city parks, and you have to get permits in order to bring in a lot of staging gear and truss and lighting, and it's just a full production. So one of the things we want to move into after we do our VR stuff is get into AR, where people could be out of park and pull up their phone. And hold up and they'd have an augmented reality stage with different effects going on in the play that they go interact with and play with in the park and we don't have to bring that in and hopefully the technology comes through where people can start putting on like the google glass or contacts in their eyes i don't know how far that it's out yet but they could come to an event and have a true visual experience without us having to bring in all of that um all that gear all that tech you know all that hard physical stuff yeah, I, th I don't think that's really as uh, so remote because uh, we've we're experiencing huge leaps. Uh, I mean, the pandemic uh, sped sped things up of ten years when it comes to uh, yeah. doing uh, uh, remote working and uh, all the, this digi digital communication sped up so fast. Um, you know, and even people like uh, are experimenting with uh, implants as well. For you don't even need the Google Glass. I mean, I mean, I think that's the future, especially also when it comes to sustainability. You know, all of these things have to be built and have to be and carry a huge car carbon impact. So why not create that experience augmented over reality? And uh, of course, you know. Uh, also, for people with, with disabilities, would will be an amazing uh, opportunity to to uh, have their uh, uh, their functioning abilities uh, compensated with with augmented reality, which is mm -hmm. something beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, technology moves pretty fast in in producer DJ land. If you could think of something that's not on the market today, but in your vision could be created, that would be amazing. What would that be? <laughs> I, I would love wireless cables. Okay. So wireless power and cables, that would be amazing. And second would be like having an artificial intelligence with my tastes to edit vocal takes, for example, like pick all these chores that, you know, picking samples that I like over a library of 2000 
or 20,000, you know, have an artificial intelligence with my taste to pick out stuff for me. That would be great. Awesome. Well, I'm sure it's there in some R&D lab with Google, Apple, Sony, Microsoft. Somebody's working on it. They'll come out here soon. Um, I'm going to, I, I was also looking at um, your Instagram and I noticed you have a lot of black and white photos there. I'm a huge fan of black and white photography. My first movies I filmed in, in college were in black and white. I've always loved the medium. Who takes those pictures? Mostly me, uh, friends, my wife takes a lot. Okay. <laughs> She's also a photography freak. <laughs> so okay. I'm blessed. I'm happy that she, she's into taking photos. And I'm like, I also take lots of photos of her. So I think we're, we have it balanced. And uh, I love black and white because it's just a, a very, a very uh, when done right, it's a very good way to, to, to get cohesion and uh, to have a, um, I, I really like long, long, like albums. I like uh, long films, uh, series of books. Uh, so to me, the narrative is very important and, and having a, a very uh, cohesive visual narrative is very important. Uh, I don't know why, but I could not have it any other way. So thanks for uh, acknowledging it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I just, like I said, I, I loved it. I was looking at my he does he have the time to really go out and set up a camera take a selfie take a picture of himself or does he have a photographer working with him it sounds like you've got a great partner there that, that kind of helps supplement that for you so that's awesome many professional photographer photos but most of this the the ones that i that usually even get more um, more uh, interaction you know like uh, likes and whatever's are uh, homemade photos which is is great you know to be yeah. honest <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here's a question for you. Go and do your personal life a little bit here. How do you balance your career with the other obligations in your life? Like, how do you stay in shape? How do you stay healthy? It's, it's I mean, from my old touring schedule, it feels like ages ago, but it's not easy. I mean, I try to, to wake up as early as possible during the weekdays and, you know, the weekend would be a mess, but then I would be sleeping by 8 p.m. on Sunday <laughs> and everything would come back to normal. But, you know, leading a, a healthy life is, is very hard with that schedule. However, the past few years, I, I managed, you know, choosing quality over quantity. If, if I have the luxury of doing that, not everyone can. But, you know, uh, sometimes doing health, not healthy, but happy options is not as hard as... Uh, as uh, it seems and some problems are only in our heads we can we can find easier less stressful solutions of course it's it's a work in progress i don't I, it's not all, always balanced but yeah i i focus a lot on on well-being because um i, I love doing this so much that i want to do it for as long as i can <laughs> absolutely and and is there anything you'd like to say to new and up-and-coming producers to watch out for when making their career successful? Uh, yeah, well, the, something a basic uh, cliche is never sign anything without getting it uh, examined by a lawyer. <laughs> uh, and the uh, second one is uh, uh, imitation is a great way to start your own uh, path. But as soon as you find your voice, stick to it and, you know, just 
hit record as soon as you can. Well, I, I like the fact, and you've reiterated this a couple of times too, and I, I, I want to add that I just hope I can add this for you, that you say quality over quantity. And that's one of your key things. But you have you say also you have the luxury to do that. Um, you know, would you but suggest I, that one producer to someone starting out, I would always say quantity over quality. Because first you need to find your vocabulary, you know, your you need to experiment with the most, finish as many tracks as you as you your magnum opus, your best song ever will not be your first one, nor was it the last one you did. So keep doing <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know before we let you get going back to work? No, it's, uh, I mean, I just had, I hope you, you guys listen to my new album and, uh, and the remixes. I'm very happy about it. And as soon as I can, I will announce proper tours. Awesome. Well, Mullinex, thank you so much for coming on the DJ Sessions. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Where can people find out more information about you and what you have going on? Yeah, it's it's Mullinex with a double L on uh, Instagram, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever you want. It's always Mullinex Twitter, Mullinex with a double L. Mullinex with a double L. Thank you so much for coming on the DJ sessions. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And thank you. Don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Find us, hashtag us. You know how to do all the socials. This is Darren and Molinex coming in all the way from Portugal, Lisbon, Portugal. And I'm in the virtual studios over here in Seattle, Washington for the DJ sessions. And you know what happens on the DJ sessions? The music never stops.